Hey everyone, this is Julie. I'm the lead pastor at the Grove Church. Welcome to our message podcast. We are so glad you decided to listen in. For more information, visit our website, thegrovecommunity.net, and check out our Instagram, thegrovefc. But most importantly, we hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I'm Julie. I'm the lead pastor here at The Grove. And listen, I'm so glad that you are joining us this morning because I believe that God has something great in store for you in your life during this season. And I want you to believe it too. We are in a new series called Wide Open, being wide open to the potential that God has for your life. So here's the deal. God created everything. God created you. He created you for a purpose. He has a dream for your life. And so therefore, he created you with the gifts and the skills that you need in order to live out that dream. And because it's his dream, it's a God-sized dream, not a you-sized dream, but God has a God-sized dream for your life. Now, some of you are going, a God-sized dream? No, mm -mm, that's, that's not my story. That's somebody else's story. That's the spiritual giants in the world. That's the influencers. That's the people that grew up in church. That's the power people. That's the people that are super spiritual and spend all day long reading their Bibles. They're the ones that have God-sized dreams. They're the ones that go and change their communities. But no, that's not my story. And I want to be very clear this morning to tell you that if that's what you believe, that is not true. God has a way, God has a tendency of taking ordinary people and having them do extraordinary things that changes the world around them. So this morning I have two questions for you. And the first one is this, will you be, will you be wide open to the dream that God has for you? Now I want you to say this aloud, whether it's just in your, your living room or whether it's some, somebody sitting next to you and nobody's going to know that it's weird because nobody else is there. But I want you to ask somebody or to ask the universe or ask yourself, will you be wide open to the dream that God has for you, the God-sized dream that he has for you? So ask it right now. And then number two, this is important. Do you still have the ability to have God-sized dreams? Now, some of you, the answer to this question is no. You're thinking, gosh, I, I, you know, when I was young and idealistic, I had these dreams of things that I wanted to do, but life got hard. Have you ever noticed that life has a tendency to take away your dreams and that sometimes it can derail you? And then some of you are going, no, I, I don't have the capacity to have God-sized dreams because I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, that's a thing? I can have a God-sized dream? This is amazing news. And then some of you are going, I don't necessarily have the capacity to have a God-sized dream because, frankly, I'm not sure that I even believe in God. And here's the deal. It's okay if you don't believe in God because he believes in you. And what I want you to be open to this morning is to hearing that maybe, just maybe, he does have a God-sized dream for your life. So this morning, my main goal is to give you the tools that you need in order to deal with those things that are preventing you from having the capacity 
to have a God-sized dream. And we are going to turn to a guy in the Bible named Joseph in order to get those tools. So here's this deal. Uh, there's so much good stuff in this story and in this concept of God-sized dreams that I split it up into two weeks. So we are going to be in this concept, this idea in the life of Joseph for two weeks. So Joseph was the youngest of 12 brothers. Let me say it again. 12 brothers. I bet that he was hazed more than any frat guy in the history of forever. Okay? So he... he he was the youngest. You can imagine what that would have been like. And I want you to say out loud, oh, poor Joseph. But listen, don't feel too bad for Joseph because even though he was the youngest of all of those 12 brothers, he was the favorite of his father. We're going to read about this in Genesis 37. It says, Jacob, his dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word about him or to him. So here's the deal, okay? Here's a little parenting advice. Don't let everybody in the world know that you have a favorite because everybody's gonna end up hating your kid. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> a little parenting advice, a little side note for you there, okay? So Joseph grows up, he is the favored child of his dad. And then one day he has a dream. In his dream, he is this bundle of grain and his parents and all of his brothers are other bundles of grain. But yet in this dream, all of his brothers and his parents, their bundles of grain bow down to him. Now, for me, this probably just would have been a dream, okay? Actually, last night, I had this crazy dream that I went to get some sort of medical procedure done on my face. Within this, I walked into this room and this nurse was like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna cut this part off of your face, but I've never done this before, but don't worry, it'll be fine. And in my dream, I'm like, this is not gonna be fine. And, but yet I kind of know and, I, and I'm hopeful that that was just a dream. I'm not anticipating that that's actually gonna happen to me in my life. Yet biblical dreams back in the day in the Old Testament, they were a little bit different. Because before God sent his Holy Spirit to live in us, one of the ways that he communicated to people way more regularly than he does now is through dreams. The people in Joseph's time believed that God communicated to them through dreams. And so Joseph has this dream and he's going, cool, cool, I, this is a dream, this is going to come true. And here is his God-sized dream. Now, God, he was anticipating that this dream would mean that one day he would be a leader in order to serve his people and make the lives of the people around him better. I think Joseph as a 17 year old guy might have misinterpreted this dream and he was just like, cool, I'm gonna be the leader. Everybody's gonna serve me. So he might have twisted, distorted this dream a little bit, but he still had this God-sized dream. And here is why it was God-sized. And this is important. Joseph was the 12th brother. And during this time period, all of the goods and all of the wonderful things went to the firstborn child. And you wanna know what the 12th child got? They got the worst spot to sleep. 
They got the swig, look, the last swig in the water bottle. They got the last piece of cake that was like missing all of its frosting. They were on the bottom of the totem pole. He would not have been in a position where he would have been the leader of his family. And no circumstance, in no way would that have ever happened during this time period. So the fact that he has this dream, that he is going to lead his siblings, it is a God-sized dream. And here's the other part that I want to pay attention to, that I want you to pay attention to, is that he had a God-sized dream and he believed it because he went, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but he was a 17 year old kid. So let's be a little bit gracious towards him this morning. But he went and he told his brothers and he's like, hey, listen. And you know what? He probably loved it because he was tired of getting picked on. And he said, I had a God given dream that one day I was gonna lead all of you. And if they didn't hate him enough before, now they surely despised him. But the fact that he told his brothers about this dream meant that he believed it. And I think there are some of you this morning that are struggling with this concept of having a God-sized dream. So my question for you this morning is what is your God-sized dream? What's your God-sized dream? Have you thought at all about it? Has God spoken to you in the quiet? and told you something that he wants you to do with your life that might be scary or overwhelming. Maybe you don't feel equipped for it and you've pushed it off. But what is that God-sized dream? And I want you to create some space in your life to have some time to talk to God and say, God, what is this God-sized dream that you have for me? And then do you have the capacity to go after that? Do you have the capacity to still dream God-sized dreams? So then, Jacob the dad, he sends all of his sons out, all the other 11 sons, to go and watch the sheep, which was the family business. And one day he decides, um, hey, Joseph, why don't you go out in the middle of nowhere where everybody hates you and go check on your brothers. Like what could possibly go wrong, right? There's no witnesses, a bunch of brothers who hates him. And so he decides to send them off into this faraway place in the middle of nowhere where there's no cameras watching what's going on. The brothers see him coming and we pick up the story in Genesis 19. It says, here comes the dreamer, they say. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into the one of these cisterns. We can tell our father, Wild animals have eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Notice in this passage, they said, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. And you know what? They weren't wrong. He had a dream. He had a God-sized dream. But they took this thing that was good and was beautiful and was going to change the world but they took this positive thing, they twisted it around and they made it negative. And I wanna prepare you, when you get a God-sized dream in your life, people are gonna twist it. They're gonna use the truth, but a warped version of you, of it, to criticize you, to try to tear that dream down. And here's why, I think it threatens people. I think it makes them wonder if maybe they shouldn't be as complacent as they have been. I think that there's people that have lost 
their capacity to have God-sized dreams, and they put that dream in a box. And when you start talking about your dream, and you get excited about your dream, and you're like, I'm gonna change the world. It threatens them, it makes them uncomfortable, and it reminds them of the things that they wanted to do with their life. And so I wanna warn you, I wanna caution you that this is going to happen. And oftentimes it happens from the people that are supposed to fight for your dreams, the people that are supposed to be in your corner the most. It's gonna happen. I experienced this on my own when, um, when I church planted. Um, I was in college and I was in this ministry, uh, this kind of like church service, and I heard about church planting for the first time. And I had grown up in a, in a type of a denomination that did not do church planting. They were all, you know, very old churches. And I heard about church planting for the first time and God put a God-sized dream in my heart that day. And he said to me, one day, you are gonna be involved in a church plant. And I thought, yes, that sounds amazing. I love this dream. So I go to college, I get a degree in ministry, I graduate from college, I get a job at a mega church as a staff youth pastor. And I was there for many years, loved it, had a great experience, it was a great church. And then people started to come up to me and say, you should church plant, it's your time. And, uh, and you should be not only like a part of a church planting team, but you should be the church planter. And I was kind of like, wait, hold up. When I was in that, that church service many, many years ago, I felt like God said you were gonna be part of the team, not like the leader of the team. And so I kind of did one of these like, I, oh God, you're there, I can't see you. And la, 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 I, don't, I can't hear you. I don't, I don't actually want to do this. But yet God was saying, it is time. It's time to live out that God-sized dream. But when I would tell people, they would say something very similar, right? They would say, oh, look, here comes that church planter. Oh, you're going to be a church planter. And they would take this really positive thing and they would turn it into a negative. And so they would say, oh, are you coming from a bad church experience and you're jaded and cynical and you want to change the world and do it and you want to do it your way? And I thought, no, actually, I, I, I love my church I think they do so many things so right. No, that, that's actually not where I'm coming from. Or they would say things like, oh, look, here comes that church planter. You just wanna be in charge. You wanna be in power. You wanna do everything your way. And now that I have church plant, I, I, I kinda wanna go back and laugh at those scenarios. Not like at them, but kind of. Because in my, my first job, when I was a staff youth pastor, I had a pension. I had health insurance and I never had to clean anything. We had a janitorial staff, never had to clean a toilet. And now here I am a church planter and I have no pension and I clean a lot of toilets. And I wanna look at them and say, you were trying to, to take something that was positive, a dream that God had placed in my life and turn it into negative. And what if I had listened? What if I had let their criticism their discouragement, their twisting something that was actually positive, and I had walked away from that God-given dream. There are going to be times when it's going to be hard to continue to have the capacity to have God-sized dreams when people are judging you for it. But here's what you need to remember. Not only is your dream God-sized, 
but it's also God-given. Your dream is God-sized and God-given. That's important. It's not their dream to take away. They didn't give it to you in the first place. You don't answer to them. So go after it anyway. And let me tell you, I'm so glad that I went after my God-sized dream, that I didn't let people's discouragement prevent me from doing it because I love being a church planter. I love being your pastor. And here I am in an empty room preaching to a camera and I miss you guys so much. And I see you growing. And like I said in the beginning, I believe that God wants to do something great in your life, even amidst all the chaos of COVID. And can I tell you, an encouraging word. I see you all growing so much through this process. You are stepping up, you are giving of your time, you're giving of your resources. Like we're starting new things and new processes and new ministries in the midst of this. And when we get back together, we are going to be on fire because we have a God-sized dream to change our community for the better. And I am so glad that you are joining me in that. So remember that your dream is not just God-sized, but it is God-given. And don't let that go. So then, the brothers, they see him coming. And here is what they decide to do. They decide to throw him, uh, to not kill him, and they decide to have a different plan. And so here is what they do in Genesis 21. The brother Reuben, he heard of their scheme. He came to Joseph's rescue and he said, hey, let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. But Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So his brothers see him coming. They decide to kill him. They decide to throw him in this pit. They throw him in the pit and listen. It can be really hard to hold on to your God-sized dream when you are in the pit. And some of you feel like you're in the pit right now. Not an actual pit, obviously, but a pit of hurt, of financial stress, of relational stress, of things not going your way. You feel like you're in the pit. And it is really hard to hold on to your God-sized dream when you are in the pit. And at that point, society is often going to give you bad advice. They're gonna look at you in that pit and they're gonna say, oh, we're so sorry for you, you poor thing. They're gonna label you a victim. You're gonna be the person that that thing happened to. And they're just gonna say, hey, you know, don't ask too much of this person. Like, we're gonna protect this person. And, and, and it's fine that they've curled up in a corner in a ball and aren't doing anything with their life. But that is not what God wants for you. You might be in a pit right now, but that does not mean that you need to stay in that pit. And I am not saying that that pit isn't real. I'm not saying that that pit isn't painful. And I think that there are those of you that are going to have to work through the pit that you're in, going to have to tell people that mourn like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And if you missed that message on mourning and grieving, then go listen to that message and figure out how to allow people to help you get some counseling, talk through it, work through it, but don't stay in that pit because everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets hurt. The question is not whether or not you are going to get hurt, but whether or not you're gonna get up. And God is saying to you this morning, get up, don't stay in that pit. You're not this 
tired, has-been person that needs to stay in this pit. I have a God-sized dream for your life, and I want you to go after it. And I want us to look at these times, these pit times in our life. Maybe you're not going through one now, but you might in the future. And I want us to look at these pit times in our lives as things that prepare us for our future rather than things that define us. We are not the pits that we've been in. Our past does not define us. It does not label us. It does not permanently scar us. Our past does not define us. It prepares us. Your past does not define you. It prepares you. The Bible doesn't clearly state it, but I believe in this pit, Joseph had some like come to Jesus moments. As a 17-year-old kid, I think he had some pride and I think he was excited about this dream that he was gonna be in charge. And you kind of get it because he was the young punk 12th kid in his family. He probably had some hard times. But I believe that God dealt with the things in his heart that needed to be dealt with. That he said, hey, this, this dream that I have given you, it's about other people. Yes, you are going to lead, but you are going to lead out of a position of service. And maybe don't go around telling everybody the dream because it might make them feel uncomfortable. And Joseph never once again mentions this dream to other people. I think he learned from it. So what is God trying to teach you and prepare you for in your pit moment right now? What if we were to view this pit not as the end of this story, not as the thing that defines us, but as our preparation, as our school, as our university that is going to prepare us to be able to live out that God-sized dream. What might God be preparing you for? So then this group of nomadic merchants come by and the brothers see him coming. And the older brother, Judah, he gets this idea. Judah's an entrepreneur. But he's like a real sketchy entrepreneur. He would be the guy that today, in like times of COVID, would have bought up all of the hand sanitizer and all of the face masks when he saw the writing on the wall that COVID was coming and then price gouged on Amazon. That was Reuben. I mean, sorry, that was, um, that was Judah, okay? He was like a very sketchy entrepreneur. So he sees these people coming and he says, hey, rather than just throwing him in a pit and just letting him die, we could make money off of him. We could sell him and still tell our dad the same thing. That is what they do. They sell him off. And here is where we pick up the story in Genesis verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. His brothers sell him to a very influential man, a very high up man. Time goes on. We pick up the story in Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and noticed and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. So listen to this. 
even when life isn't going your way, God is still making a way for your God-sized dream. Listen again. Even when life isn't going your way, even when you become a household servant after you were the favored kid of a very wealthy parent, even after your brothers basically want you dead and sell you into slavery, even when life isn't going your way, God is making a way for your God-sized dream. He put him in a household where he was able to work really hard, and Joseph built up his leadership, which was part of his God-sized dream. That was the gift and the skill that he needed to be able to live out his God-sized dream in the future. And God was making a way for this even when life wasn't going his way. And in the middle of this, God was present. God was using Joseph to bless the people that were around him. Isn't this amazing? This is the mission and the vision of the grove lived out in a Bible story. Joseph was being a grove. He was being the type of person that literally made his entire household, all the people that were around him, his community better, healthier, stronger. And this is what we want to be as a grove. We want to be a group of people that goes out into our community to make it better, healthier, and stronger. Because our God-sized dreams always involve the betterment of other people. But just as things were finally starting to go well, he's, he's still a slave, but hey, like he's in charge of a lot of things, and that's better than being on the lower totem pole of the slave world, right? Just as things were starting to kind of go decent as much as they could, things start to go very poorly again. But the problem is not Potiphar. The problem is Potiphar's wife. Because there was a problem. The Bible says that Joseph was hot. Now, some of you are going, uh, mm, no, I don't think that it says that. Well, listen, hear me out. Let's read it. Here's what it says. Genesis 39, 6 through 7. Joseph was very handsome and well-built young, well young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. It says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Now tell me that doesn't mean that they're saying he's hot. So, quote me on this one, Genesis 39, 6, Joseph was hot. If you agree with me, give me some thumbs up, some smiley faces. We would love for you to be interacting in the comments to try to keep that community going. So go ahead and give me some thumbs up if you see what I'm saying. So, she kept coming after him, Potiphar's wife. And Joseph says, listen, we can't do this. Your husband trusts me. I'm in charge of everything. The only thing that he hasn't given me permission to basically have is you. Now, what he doesn't say is just as important as what he does say. What he doesn't say is, ew, gross, woman, why are you coming after me? Ew, stop, you nasty. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, we shouldn't because it wouldn't be the right thing. Now, let's be honest. Joseph was an 18-year-old dude. He's been living in the middle of nowhere with his parents and all of his sheep, and now he's been a slave for a while, and a woman basically comes to him and offers him free sex. You can't tell me that that wouldn't have been hard for him. He probably is like, I'm not used to girls coming after me. I might have been hot, but I was the 12th kid in a family where they showered 
like once a month, and they all use the same bathwater. So by the time that Joseph got around, he was, what does that make him? Like the 14th person to get in the shower because of his, the tub because of his parents? He probably smelled worse after a bath than before. And this woman who is wealthy, so I'm sure that she smelled super awesome. She probably had gorgeous clothes and access to makeup and jewelry, and she made herself look really nice. It was probably really hard for him. But he says, no, not because he doesn't want to, but because he shouldn't. He says no, not because he didn't want to, but because he wasn't supposed to. He says no, because he knows it's the best thing to do. He says no, because just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. He says no, just because it might feel good now doesn't mean that it will lead to good in the future. He thinks to himself, I have a God-sized dream. And even though this would be kind of a dream to fulfill, I have to turn this dream down because I'm going after another one. And we are going to face similar situations. We are gonna be tempted to sell out our God-sized dream for a lesser one or for not necessarily a dream, but a desire, a wish that we have, but we know isn't gonna to lead to good things. Don't sell out your God-sized dream for a lesser one. So spoiler alert, as we wrap up, his God-sized dream, it does come true. But if Joseph had made different decisions, it might not have. And this morning, we wanted to give you some tools to help you continue on with the capacity to dream God-sized dreams. Every week at The Grove, we give what's called a God space time, where we give you space to connect with God. We believe that God is actively involved in your life, that he communicates to you directly, that he wants to be in a beautiful, life-giving, enriching relationship with you. And so we want you to take some time right now to ask yourself this question what's your god-sized dream and ask this question as well what's hindering your ability to dream those god-sized dreams you pray with me? God, you are a great, awesome God that wants to be in relationship with you, and we are so thankful for that. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for creating us with the ability to do the things that you have asked us to do, the dreams that you have given us. God, we, are, we know that they are your size, not our size dreams. We know that they are from you, not from us. So we pray that we would take some time to dream God-sized dreams and that we would have the tools that we need to get back the capacity to dream those dreams if we have lost them. In your name we pray, amen. Could you imagine what it would look like as a community if we all went after our God-sized dreams? If we changed the world around us with the gifts and the passions 
that God has given us if we believed that we as ordinary people could do extraordinary things. Thanks for joining us this morning, everyone. Before you head out, don't forget to fill out that online communication card. We love to pray for you. If you need something, please let us know. We are here for you. We are working. We are wanting to be of service and help you fulfill your God-sized dreams. So go out this week and get back that capacity to dream your God-sized dream. Thanks for listening to our message podcast. Are you local? We would love for you to join us in person on Sunday. We have tons of fun at our services. If you liked this podcast, take a moment to subscribe. You can click the share button and share it with a friend or take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram or Facebook. And hey, always remember you are loved.